0: Thank you so much. Okay. Before I get started, I would just like to hand this out really, really quickly. I'll get some on this side. Thank you so much. And really, not so many surprises. Um, So, again, I'm Rabbi Eisenberg. Thank you so much, and thank you to uh, BMA and Young Israel and everyone for putting this together and everyone for coming out. So, what... You are now about to have in front of you if you don't have it already are what i refer to as the five p's for pesach They could have been anything but i thought five p's works really nicely and uh, this will hopefully keep me into my five minute framework we'll see we'll see how well that goes Uh, but uh, the first thing that i would that i would say we should do in our preparation for pesach and this will hopefully help us and it'll help our children be engaged in it and uh, the only difference between the, the sheet that you have and the sheet that I have is mine, is very folded and wrinkly, and it has my notes on it, it's the only difference. Uh, but the first thing that I would say is that we have to prepare and prioritize. And what I mean by that is this Shabbos Haggadah, we have a hug, as we do every Shabbos Haggadah, and that is to actually read the Haggadah. And even though we've all seen the Haggadah several times, most of you more times than I have seen it, but what I would... I would push us to do is to look at the Haggadah again, but this time with new eyes. See it as though we have never seen it before. Don't look at it with those eyes that say, oh yeah, I know what's coming next, I get this part, I know that's happening. What we should probably try to do is if we try to see it with new eyes, we will come up with our own new questions, we'll be able to be engaged by it, and of course our children are going to be engaged by it as well. I would also mention that we should try to prioritize, when we are going through the Haggadah with our kids, I would prioritize Sippor. The mitzvah of the day is and Yetzirah, it's telling over the story of how we left Egypt. And there are a lot of parts of the Haggadah that don't necessarily speak so much to that part. So, just for example, I think it's more important to talk about the plagues than to talk about how older Elizabeth Daria was when his ear turned white. Um, but, so just to know, to pace yourself with the Haggadah, to choose the right things to focus on. The next thing that I would um, mention is props. Now, you can, you don't have to go as far as I am with this one. Uh, but this is this is my the tuya, It's my outstretched arm. Uh, so you don't you don't have to you know go that far. But there are simpler props, and they are all around already. We don't even realize it. But something as simple as the seder plate it doesn't have to be your your, your three year old felt seder plate. But the seder plate that we have on the table, the matzah, the maror, all the things that are already there. You might not have realized it, but those are actually our Pesach props, and they're there for a reason. We could just leave the moror in the kitchen until we're ready for it. There's a reason why we have it on the plate, on the table, so that everyone can see it. And at various points of the Seder, we pick up the plate, we remove the plate. Why are we doing all that? And the reason is, as the Haggadah already tells us, I might have thought that we can start doing the mitzvah on Rosh Chodesh, you'll still get the mitzvah, because after all, we want our kids to know the story, we want them to learn it, and if we start telling them a month in advance, they're going to know it very, very well. But that's not what the Haggadah concludes. The Haggadah says, as the Pasuk says, it is because of this, and Zet always means we're able to point at it with our finger. So whenever we find zed, that means there's something you can look at. So if it's items on the seder plate, if it's the very matzah, we say halach Ma'anya, you should be holding up the matzah so that your kids can see it. They've all seen a matzah before. You should exaggerate these props. They should know that they're there and you should refer to the story. When you're referring to the story, you go back to their props. You don't have to be so creative to do that, just to pick up the objects that you're talking about and show them to your kids to pique their interest. So that's how I would use props. In, uh, in this uh, endeavor. Now, the, the, the third one is a very simple one: to play along, to welcome any and all questions and answers. Because a lot of the time, you know, we we traditionally know that the idea is to get our kids to ask questions. A lot of the time, the kids ask their questions in school for the past few weeks, and they have a lot of answers that they want to share. And if that's the way they would like to do it, so let them answer the questions. If you're not sure about something, you pose the question to them. Let them answer. But the point is to go with the flow, and there shouldn't be lachats. So we talk about the lachatsin or the pressure that we were put through in Egypt. I definitely don't think that it's going to be for a great experience if we are pressuring our child and traumatizing them to be embarrassed and say the Manashtana. If they don't want to say the Manashtana, we can sing it together, it's okay. My three-year-old, he loves to perform until you tell him to. So, you know, it's, uh, it's anyone's call what's going to happen when he actually gets to the Seder. Uh, he'll probably be singing, he'll be singing like uh, for the next few days probably until he actually gets there. So we never know what's going to happen. But the point is that we should go with the flow. Um, it shouldn't be a traumatic experience. It should be a dramatic experience. Uh, that brings me to the next one, uh, to be present. Right, to, when we are doing the stater, when we are going through, we should be there and be there because you were there. As Rabbi Fine mentioned already, in of and every generation we are supposed to see ourselves as though we left Egypt. Um, these words I have been in my students here all week long and uh, I've been bothering them with this, and hopefully they're gonna know it by heart at the end. But when we talk about the story, so we should make it that we are there because that is the whole point. The point is that we are reenacting, we are reliving We talk in the first person, because it was me. And it was me. And it was my parents. And it's you also. And, this is, and so it's all—it making everyone a part of the experience just by simply changing the pronouns. Um, not changing the pronouns too much, right? But using the right words to get everyone engaged. So that's uh, hopefully something that we can do to make the experience really nice. The final one that I want to talk about is being personal personalizing our Pesach experience as much as possible. And we can do that with simple things like, like stories showing just how long Hashem Zah, and outstretched armies in our own lives. And with that, I want to share a story really quickly that, for me, it's an important Pesach story, not just because of the timing, um, but because of the experience in and of itself. It might not seem as remarkable as the Pesach story itself, um, but probably some of you might be able to relate. Um, it was October of 2020, when uh, when my wife and I and my and my now three year old at the time so uh, at the time he was like wasn't even one yet but we were making our great exodus from uh, the tri-state area and uh, we were uh, you know leading the way um, the only thing we didn't do right was we didn't uh, buy a house um, <laughs> but uh, we we're living happily in the fairways in the meantime but we uh, during during that time we uh, you know we packed everything out we left we made it to Hollywood. And of course, months and months in, and we uh, didn't finish opening up all of our boxes, and there's still one box uh, today that we still haven't even taken everything out of yet. But we hadn't finished opening up all of our boxes. So five, six months later, six months into our our new our new life in Hollywood, and something was rubbing me the wrong way, something I couldn't find. And I'm looking from room to room, looking from box to box, and I cannot find. My smicha, my cloth, my certification, my rabbinic certification that allows me to say that I'm a rabbi. So I, I, I couldn't find that, and then we realized there's some other things missing, like my um, my wife's uh, nursing license or diploma. So it's just, some, <laughs> just you know, not so important. So it's just some documents, and I you know we we're and this is again the six months into now being here already. What can we do now? And um, I, I for one, was kind of depressed and i remember I was, I was like moping around and now we are talking this is march 2021 march 2021 and i'm moving around the apartment you know like, i don't know what to do so my wife um, you know she's the smart one she calls the moving company so she calls up the moving company and she you know asks them what we can do and they say oh it's, it's been five six months oh you know not, not so likely that we're going to be able to track it but you know what maybe after the holidays we can uh you know we can reconvene see what happens um, I won't say the name of the company right now, uh, but to but be that as may, on that, on, on, that, it may, that was March 23rd, it was, it was a Tuesday, March 23rd, Tuesday, that's when my wife calls, and, and it, it was what it was. The following night, March 24th, and it's, it's Wednesday night, and my wife receives a phone call from Richard Murphy. Richard Murphy, he's uh, this random gentile from Long Island who had just moved to Florida about three months ago. And he said, it. "I, you know, I just moved, and um, I was looking through some boxes. I found uh, some things that I had, were in mine. I found this phone number on the box. It looked like some important documents in there. And again, just, just, just to put you into the setting that I was in, we were missing those things for for half a year. We just didn't realize. We only found out the week before Pesach. And a night after, my wife calls the the company. She gets this call from Richard Murphy. So." So my wife asks this Richard Murphy. She says, I have a question. Well, um, was the moving company in touch with you? No. I just opened the box like the other day. And, um, and so he, he had moved to Clearwaters, Florida. And, um, and you know, we, were, um, we were able to call and arrange that we can get all of our things back. And again, so on March 27th, that Motei Shabbos is Pesach. And boy, did I have a story to share in my Seder when I realized that Hashem's outstretched arm goes really, really far. We don't realize, even in the simplest stories, the Hashachot HaPetit, the the fact that Hashem is, is his divine supervision, is controlling and overseeing everything, even in the smallest ways we're able to impart to our children, how uh, we can see Hashem in our own lives, he would say that it doesn't, it, maybe, it may be started at the story of the and Shrine, but it goes so much further. So we should be able to share such experiences with our children and um, be able to transform the Seder in that way. Thank you so much. Okay. i uh, okay. um, please drop the the